You are listening to the Final Score Podcast. What's happening, everyone? Welcome in. Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. And the Frederick Keys were in the news this week as a list uh, from the Major League Baseball's commissioner's office uh, leaked through the media, uh, purporting to show uh, 42 teams that uh, were um, recommended that they uh, stop doing business, uh, shut down, contracted, uh, so to speak. And that got everyone in the community buzzing because the Keys, uh, surprisingly, uh, to, to many folks, including myself, uh, were on that list. And uh, on this week's episode, uh, we will have Adam Pohl, the former Frederick Keys broadcaster and uh, front office man uh, who now works uh, for the uh, Bowie Bay Sox. He's the media director for the Bowie Bay Sox. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Adam uh, about this story um, and, and, and get his reaction to it and, and what uh, life was like down in Bowie this week. Uh, the Bay Sox were not on the list, but, but I'm sure they were... Uh, holding their breath. Um, so we'll talk to Adam about this uh, story about the keys and, and, and the potential of uh, Major League Baseball uh, uh, chopping uh, some some of their minor league franchises. Uh, Joe Ferraro of the Frederick News Post is as big a baseball fan as we, we have here at the paper, and, and Joe joins me in the studio now. How are you, sir? Doing great, doing great. I'll, I'll be better when uh, all this speculation goes uh, goes by the boards here. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a strange story. Uh, number one, the Keys are a pretty well-run, successful franchise. They make money. They, they, they uh, draw well. Um, uh, they lead the league uh, or, or one of the league leaders in attendance for the Carolina League every year. And, uh, and the story just doesn't make sense to me uh, on a lot of levels. And one of them is why would baseball sort of want to shrink its talent pool? I mean, with, with fewer teams, there's going to be lesser players and, and, and uh, lesser spots uh, uh, for, for people to be evaluated, really. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me in an era where all these sports are trying to grow, why baseball is trying to shrink its talent pool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair question. Fair question. And you know i guess everybody's brought it up uh, you know with the keys uh you know they they run a very good business uh it's it's entertainment for pretty much every age group out there you know from kids who are you know playing with the uh, you know the attractions out in the outfield to uh, you know older people who who have been coming out to these games for years the marketing department does a a great job and um, as you said, uh, you know, less jobs, uh, less spots. It's, uh, yeah, not, yeah, cer- certainly not, not a good thing. Well, why do you think baseball is trying to do this? Not, not sure. I mean, may- maybe it's a deal where they, they, they feel one level uh, of a ball is, uh, is enough and it is sufficient. Uh, and, and that's a, you know, a good, uh, just to have, uh, Let's say if you have you know your rookie level, uh, you know short season, you know A, double A, triple A, they, they feel this this might be su- uh, sufficient. Uh, you know that that could be uh, that could definitely be part of it. Yeah, I mean it's just unusual because a lot of these minor league teams are independently owned businesses, and it's kind of hard um, for an organization like Major League Baseball to come in and say, uh, yeah, your business no longer exists. I mean, these are independently right. run businesses. Um, uh, 
they have their own employees. They, they, their, their finances are, are, are separate often from, from the major league parent club. So, yep. so what, what right does baseball have to come in and say your, your business no longer exists? Uh, I mean, we should point out this was just a proposal by, by major league baseball. The agreement sure. that governs the way major league baseball does business with its 160 minor league affiliates expires next September at the end of the minor league season. So they have to strike a new agreement. This was one proposal floated by major league baseball. It's a long way from, from happening. The minor league baseball people would have to sign on to it, which is, which is hard to see happening. Um, so the, I, I'd say the chances of this ever happening are, 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 are fairly slim, but, but um, the, the list circulated through the media and, and, and the stories out there, um, and certainly improvements can be made um, to facilities, to the way teams are run. I mean, this is none of this is to say that there can't be improvements made and things can't be streamlined a bit, but it just seems like a far-fetched proposal in Major League Baseball that they're going to fold 40-plus minor league teams yeah this is, this is pure speculation on, on my part um <laughs> it, it may be true it may not be but you know but i know with minor league baseball and the you know and the salaries you know they make i mean the their pay is very 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 low so you know possibly i don't know maybe, maybe it's a deal where you know they could be you know better compensated uh, or slightly better compensated with you know with less teams but uh, it can't be all, all that much I'd think uh, if, if you if you get rid of these teams right well that, that that's that's one thing we'll talk to Adam Pohl about too is the player finances because he's uh, well versed in in the way minor league baseball teams are run uh, and, he, and he works for one um, currently so I, I just think, Joe, it, 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 I, I can't see one team being folded at the behest of Major League Baseball. Minor league teams will come and go. They'll, they'll fold and for, for various reasons. But, but this proposal, I think, will never see the light of day. And I'd be shocked if one team was folded as a result of this proposal by Major League Baseball. I, I'd be, too. I mean, just the, you know, with the, the number of fans they, they draw. And, and, again, as I said, the, the appeal to different age groups. You know the the entertainment value. They you know the marketing department does a good job of, you know, putting out promotions. You know, bringing in, you know, celebrities that you know that people can interact with and sign autographs. So, yeah, it's it's a very very well run business, and I I'd be extremely stunned if uh, you know the keys weren't here uh, two years from now. Or 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 any major league team again. These are independently run businesses. So, um, while you're here, um, the last. Remnants of the fall sports season uh, are are uh, taking are here uh, the, this weekend uh, with with the state football quarterfinals. We we have we have three teams left: um, Lake and Orkutokton. I don't think that surprises anyone. And then and then you have Middletown, who's who's riding an an eight game winning streak. Um, you saw Middletown play Walkersville. It was an overtime game last week. Um, there seemed to be an ebb and flow where Middletown got off to the fast start. Walkersville got back into it, and then it became anyone's game. Sort of, what what were you thinking? Is all, all all that was taking place? Oh, I I I thought they had it in the bag. Honestly, uh, you know, they for most of that second half they were trading touchdowns, and you know, it appeared as if you know Middletown was going to to pretty much, um, you know, ice it. And then, you know, um, a snap uh, goes over Reese Poffenbarger's uh, head, you know, ball, ball gets loose. And then, 
and then uh, you know we, we we get a touchdown here uh, to to tie the game. So I, I think honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I, I think it's a good thing for for Middletown to you know to have that kind of game where they they had they had to gut it out a little bit. Um, you know, lately, really ever since that loss to to Linganore, uh, you know, when they've beaten teams, they've done so for the most part very decisively. So so to have a game like this where it's hanging in the balance. You know, it's good for them to have going uh, going up against uh, North Carolina, which is not going to be a uh, you know a, a very uh, easy place to play. Uh, they're yeah, they're, pre- they're pretty pre- pretty uh, pretty do pretty well at home, and it's uh, it's a long travel for for, for the Knights uh, to get there. Yeah, you you saw Middletown's first game of, of the season, I believe. That they they played TJ. They were the only team this season to get on the field and play TJ. Yep. And and it, it seemed like a much different team. I mean, they've improved so much on both sides of the ball. W- what sort of have you really noticed about the way they've changed from that game until uh, until what you saw last Friday against Walkersville? Well, uh, you know, some of the things that we've talked about in the in the past, uh, you know, with with Reese Poff and Barger. I mean, everybody, everybody knows that he's got a you know very strong you know accurate arm, but now you know they're wanting to to use him as a as a running threat uh, you know more to you know to really diversify the offense the emergence of uh, Caden Fisher as well and uh, and the uh, the line uh, the offensive line being uh, uh, you know solidified you know defensively uh, I thought you know they, they they had the makings of a a really good defense you know way back then uh, I, I think the the uh, addition of uh, Colby uh, Doreen, which you actually alluded to in your, in your recent story, uh, you know, really helps them uh, a little bit and you know, makes that defense even even more stout, especially across uh, the defensive front. So, but but yeah, defense uh, from the get go, I thought uh, you know was very strong. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Middletown really get pushed around by Urbana. Leganor shoved them around for a half, and I'm like, man, these guys aren't the typically strong Middletown defensive line that you see, but, but Doreen's health uh, coming back from an injury that, 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 that's helped. But uh, the defense has been hard to score against uh, for the last eight weeks too. I think only two teams have gotten into double digits against them. And that, and that, and that counts uh, the uh, Walkersville game uh, this past week, uh, which was a 41 34 game. I, I, I believe was the final score of yep. that game. So, yep. so the defense has gotten remarkably, remarkably better, um, oh, and, and coach Colin DeLauder said it's an attitude change. They're tackling better now. Um, it's more of a team mindset as, as opposed to individual players trying to create, um, defensive plays. Uh, Jalen Husky, their remarkable sophomore has been a revelation this season with, with 10 interceptions, which is a school record. Um, you have, you have, uh, guys like, uh, uh, um, uh, Connor Meyer, uh, the linebacker, um, uh, he has 51 unassisted tackles. Um, so uh, re- really the defense is, is the offense has improved, so is the defense, and that's why they're playing so well. And in a 2A quarterfinal, uh, Middletown's the number six seed, and they'll travel to North Carolina. Tough place to play because Walkersville had a pretty good team in 2015, and, and they struggled to win there. They they did so by a, by a last-second field goal by uh, – who was then their sophomore kicker Noah Sadler, um, and, and and so Middle Middletown is capable of winning, but but it's definitely a tough game. Uh, in, in Class One A, uh, Catoctin will take on uh, Fair, Fairmont Heights. Uh, Catoctin has scored forty plus points in uh, ten of their eleven games. 
Uh, last week, the defense was uh, sort of the story because they held a good Boonesboro offense to six points. So, uh, Catoctin uh, continues to play at a really high level. I, I've maintained for a while now, and I think you've maybe agreed with me um, or, or been right there with me that um, – Catoctin might have our best chance to, to come away with the state title. I think so. Um, yep. uh, if they beat Fairmont Heights, they'll likely play Fort Hill, but that game will be in Thurmont. They won't have to travel all the way out to Cumberland uh, to play that game. Fort Hill will come here. Um, and Fort Hill is, of course, the team that knocked Catoctin out last year, but that, that game was at Fort Hill. Um, so Fort Hill doesn't have to travel a lot usually before the, before they come and play in the state finals. So, so that will be a new sure. experience for them. And, and, and you have to like Catoctin's chances there. And then in Class 3A, Ligonor will take on uh, North Point. Um, Ligonor with a rem- remarkable running game that it's powered the team uh, all season. Um, and, and the question for them will be, can they can they keep it going? Um, will, will they eventually run into a team that they could stand up to their offensive line, their big, strong offensive line, and, and, and really shut down their running game? And, and, and can they adapt if the team is able to do that? So um, three football playoff games this week. 3A, Leganor hosts North Point. Uh, class 2A, uh, Middletown is at North Carolina. And um, uh, Class 1A, Catoctin hosts Fairmont Heights out of Baltimore. Uh, Joe, as always, appreciate your insights. And, no worries. Uh, we will Glad be back. We will be back here on the Final Score Podcast, and uh, we'll chat with my good buddy Adam Pohl of the Bowie Bay Sox, uh, who, and we'll talk some Mount Hoops too because Adam broadcast the Mount games. Uh, stay with us uh, here on the Final Score Podcast. I've been friends with uh, Adam Pohl for a long time now. I, I, I met Adam, uh, uh, first met Adam uh, when he was broadcasting games and uh, working in the front office of the Frederick Keys. And uh, Adam, uh, I also see uh, quite a bit at Mount St. Mary's games up at Not Arena as, as Mount broadcasts, uh, as Adam broadcasts uh, games for the Mountaineers, both men's and women's. Adam is now the director of broadcasting for the Bowie Bay Sox, uh, the AA affiliate for the Orioles. And it's uh, very nice to have Adam on this week's broadcast. Adam, how are you doing, man? Greg, this is this is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I guess I'm a longtime listener, first time uh, uh, interviewee. <laughs> wow, I, I, I really I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I, I want to start with this minor league baseball stuff, Adam. I, I, it, yeah. I, I, I was yeah. curious what the mood was like down in Bowie this week because a list circulated of uh, 42 teams that Major League Baseball is uh, proposing uh, proposing to, uh, I, I guess the word is contract or, or fold, or, or I, I don't know the exact term to use, but um, I, I did not see the Bay Sox name on the list. The Frederick Keys, uh, your former employer, were on the list. Just First of all, what was the mood like in Bowie w- w- with this list making the rounds in the media? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, this, this is a thing for everybody in our industry. I've been working in my early baseball uh, since I got out of college, so, uh, you know, more than 15 years now. So, uh, uh, for me, Bowie is the fourth team I've ever worked for, but two of my first three teams are, are on that list, and, um, and that's a little, it's just heartbreaking. I, I, obviously, um we're going to go through, I guess we can talk through some of the reasons why Major League Baseball would propose a drastic maneuver of this, of this way. But, um, but, um, 
you know, the Bay Sox are not on the list, but uh, but but obviously, you know, we're, we're, everybody in our industry, two teams in the Eastern League, as well. And uh, but for me, of course, uh, the the uh, the team I'm thinking about the most are, is uh, is of course in Frederick. Yeah, what, what was your just initial reaction to see the keys on this list? I was really shocked um, because. You know, for me, um, obviously, I broadcast, but I'm also have, have uh, in Frederick uh, did marketing, uh, which my, my role was really to bring fans to the stadium and come up with ways to do so. And Bowie, I have a little bit of a different role in which I, I, I work more on the business side and try to build relationships with businesses. So, you know, in Frederick, I um, I just see it as such an important market, especially for the uh, not only the Orioles' longest uh, affiliate as far as duration, the Orioles have such a long affiliation with Bluefield, West Virginia over the years. Uh, but um, but uh, for Baltimore, right now, the Keys have been the Orioles' high affiliate since 1989. Uh, but not only that, I mean, Frederick is the largest city in Maryland that has affiliated minor league baseball. And then you look at it, even a bigger city than Frederick, uh, Germantown, or I can't remember if it's either Germantown or Gaithersburg, but I mean, that's an enormous market. And, and uh, that's why the Keys draw so well. You know, 20, when I was there, it was about 20% of Keys fans came from that Germantown, Gaithersburg area. So that's a huge area uh, for the Orioles. Uh, with how the Nationals have have been, of course, winning the World Series is such an enormous jolt uh, for their fandom. And uh, the Orioles obviously are in a bit of a reboot right now. Uh, but the reality of it is that having the keys, being an Orioles affiliate in Frederick, does a lot to keep people in the Frederick area not just uh, involved in baseball, but uh, involved in Orioles baseball. I think it would be an enormous mistake to to let Frederick get away. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of questions we we could dive into here, Adam. Uh, first of all, why do you think Major League Baseball has proposed to chop as many as 42 teams out of minor league baseball? Well, to, to be honest, um, I, I think it's players' salaries. Uh, uh, the, there's really, uh, when you look at it, uh, Major League Baseball, I think, uh, is a little bit worried about what the next decade presents. And this is something that I really haven't heard many people talk about. Um, and it's really kind of just my own personal opinion. But what, what I think the biggest thing in this last generation that has changed, what has made uh, kind of a, a, an average baseball player go from making a million or two a year to making almost $10 million a year, what has changed that is not – you there, Adam? We're losing. Yes, we're, network. Hang on, Adam. We're, we're we're having a little trouble with the connection here. Uh, let's pause right here, and we'll have you uh, right back on. Uh, we'll be back with more in just one second with Adam Pole, director of broadcasting for the Bowie Bay Sox. Hang on one sec. All right, I think we got the technical snafu uh, sorted out, and we are back with Adam Pohl, director of broadcasting uh, for the Bowie Bay Sox. And, Adam, you were explaining why you think that Major League Baseball has made this proposal to fold as many as 42 teams, and you think right. you, you believe it's the player salaries. I do, I do. I, I think the major reason why 
Major League Baseball saw such a rise uh, in, uh, in in really money in, in the end of the Bud Selig era. Uh, we're talking really the first generation of the or first decade that is of the 2000s and here through the 20 teens is that the financial model of Major League Baseball, unlike the NFL, which is built on national TV contracts, the financial model of Major League Baseball has become built on regional television contracts. So uh, when the Yankees started, uh, everybody in New York had to have that network. And if you have cable in the New York City area, and that is an incredible amount of people, right? Uh, you know, a part of their cable bill goes. Oh, we're ha- we're having trouble with the connection again. Uh, and that's. Hang on, Adam. Let me stop you. We're having trouble with the connection. Uh, let's see if we can sort this out. Uh, be 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 patient with us, folks. We'll be right back here on the final score. All right, we're back with Adam Pohl, director of broadcasting for the Bowie Bay Sox, and we think we have our uh, connection uh, straightened out. Uh, hopefully, we do. A- Adam, freeze! Do not move. Uh, stay locked in place <laughs> as, as, as you talk, because uh, we want we want to hear every word that you say. And uh, and I wanted to let you finish your answer on why you think this is happening, and you believe um, why Major League Baseball has uh, proposed that 42 teams be folded, and you believe it has to do with uh, the finances and, and player salaries. So I'll let you finish that answer. Yeah, right. So basically, uh, my feeling is that there was such a growth in in money in the game of baseball in the last 20 years that have. I mean, tripled, quadrupled, whatever it might be, players' salaries at the major league level. And when you look at that, the major reason for that is the regional television contract, you know, where the NFL uh, is based on national TV deals. Uh, Major League Baseball has seen the rise in finances, not because they're selling you a hot dog for more money or they're bringing more people to games, per se, but but it's really because of these regional television deals. You know, here in Frederick, if you have Masson, you are giving money to the Orioles, fight in courts of what that split should be. But nevertheless, you literally, I mean, you might to the Orioles and the Nationals. Uh, The real worry, I think, uh, long term in some of these ways, is that people are cutting the cord at such a high level and it is taking away this consistent and enormous revenue stream. And when money starts going down, you start looking for ways to cut. It's been talked about more about how Major League Baseball teams and, uh, you know, just to feel that they don't uh, – what they don't want to do is pay more money to minor league players. So minor league baseball players don't make much money at all. And with that, there's also a push – that minor league players should make more. So major league owners are, are worried that they're going to have shrink, shrinking revenue streams in the years to come, and they don't feel that investing another 2 to $3 million, which yeah, for a major league baseball team is a drop in a bucket, really. They don't feel that that is worthwhile, uh, and, and instead the proposal here is to force teams to shrink the amount of minor league players they have from usually a range of 200 to 245 or 250, let's say, to everybody having 150 minor leaguers. And they would take the money that they're paying 
the, let's say, 220 minor league players now and give that money to 150 guys, and therefore that would raise the pay without raising the amount of money that the owners are putting in uh, to minor league baseball. So that that's kind of the thought process uh, of uh, – of why to have the reduction. It, it, I'm glad you said that, Adam, and, and, and that that's some great perspective there. Because if you read the reporting, all the reporting that's been done all in, on all of this in the New York Times and, and other various outlets, not one place does it mention that player salary is a big concern. Baseball is presenting it like we want to upgrade our facilities, we want to make sure our facility right. pl- our players have access to first class facilities, and, and and that's been the big, I guess reason that M- that MLB is given why they want to fold these teams. They want players in modern, up-to-date facilities. Nowhere has it been mentioned that player salary is a big factor, but but you raise a great point there that that probably is uh, the foremost thing on the, on, on the brains of these uh, major league owners. Uh, is I think it is. Yeah. I mean, it, the facility thing is definitely an issue. I, the reason for that is because of the growth of investment in analytics and coaching uh, and also nutrition and training at the minor league level. When I was a broadcaster in Burlington, North Carolina, in the rookie-level Appalachian League, which is a league that would be completely eliminated in this proposal, uh, when I sat on the bus, I was on the third row. There was a manager, a pitching coach, a hitting coach, and a trainer. That was it. That was our staff. Uh, There was no bullpen catcher either because uh, the you know you had two catchers and whoever wasn't starting was the guy that was the bullpen catcher. Now, with Bowie next year, it's looking like uh, traveling for us, we will have a manager, a pitching coach, a hitting coach, a field coach, a fundamentals coach, a conditioning coach, a trainer, and then a bullpen catcher. So I think that's nine right there. I might be missing one. So you're looking at, you know, uh, these places, all these ballparks and Frederick's clubhouse, if you go in there, of course, Greg, you've been there multiple times, or not multiple times, but hundreds and uh, thousands of times. Uh, you know, it, it's built for three or four staff members. It's not built to have ten staff members. And uh, and that is, that, that's, that's one of the issues. So when they're talking about the facilities for the Frederick Keys, a lot of the problems uh, with the facilities at Nemeo Field a lot of them are really outside of the public eye. And um, it's not like you need a brand new stadium there for it to be viable to today's model of baseball. Right. I mean, and Nimeo Field at Harry Grove Stadium was built in the late 1980s. I mean, nothing could be done about that. No no one no one could modernize Correct. the sta- stadium by that. And, of course, the, the stadiums that were built more recently – have all the advantages of all the modern amenities and stuff like that. And but so many of these minor league teams, the Durham Bulls, I mean their stadium has been there forever. Mm-hmm. Like like, like uh, these teams can't help when their stadium was built. Yes, they can renovate and improve the stadium, but it it, it just seems like a convenient excuse for Major League Baseball to point to the facilities when really they're and, and distract everyone from the primary concern, which is what you raised, and and that's the salaries of the players. It, it seems like it's just a convenient take for Major League Baseball to present it this way. I agree, and and maybe this is a way for them to force, you know, Frederick to tear down that clubhouse and build a completely new clubhouse. You know, this, this is the way you're going to lose your team if you don't get this. It, the, just just creating a kind of a list 
you know, to get rid of all these teams. In essence, what they're doing is not getting rid of the Carolina League. They're getting rid of short people their single-A, double-A, and triple-A, but that's not the way. In, in minor league baseball, uh, you have your Dominican Academy, so there's a Dominican Summer League. Every team has a team at their at their minor league, uh, excuse me, at the really floor, but they don't play in front of any fans. Hey, hey, Adam, you there? Can you hear me? Team at that wheels do not. Uh, you then have short season A, which is the New York Ten League, which is Aberdeen. And then you get into your full season levels. Low A is Delmarva, High A is Frontier, Double A is B, and Triple A is Norfolk. So it's a it's a much you know broader uh, scope than most people know. What they're looking at doing is eliminating everything, not everything, but rookie advanced and short season single A. And by doing that, you would be taking away Aberdeen. Well, Aberdeen is a, a, a nice facility. Of course, Cal Ripken is the owner of Aberdeen. And so what you're looking at is, in this proposal in the Orioles organization, Frederick is eliminated and Aberdeen takes over in the Carolina League for Frederick. So a big thing to save the keys is obviously to be able to improve the facility and the club actually. But not only that, but to validate that these two lower levels uh, that are below Frederick's level of baseball have importance. Uh, short season A is where players that are drafted go to immediately after they're drafted, uh, usually. And uh, really, uh, it's an important level. These rookie levels are very important for high school draftees and also for players uh, that are that are signed out of the Dominican. Right. I, but, but because these... the app. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm rambling on, but the average, uh, the average age of a player in Delmarva, uh, in Lima, in the Saints Atlantic League, and also Hagerstown, the average age of a player uh, at that level is 21, 22 years old. So when you're signing 18-year-olds, where do they play? Are they going to play in the Gulf Coast League for three years before they're ready to play in Delmarva? Uh, you know, you sign a Dominican player at the age of 16, you know, I, I mean, but you're going to play him at a complex ball for five years before he becomes ready. You know, two two or three years in the Dominican, and then three years at your complex, you know, down in Florida. I just think there's a lot of value to getting out into cities, playing in front of fans, especially for Dominican kids, learning the American culture. Um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of value to these levels uh, that are going to be taken away in this proposal. Uh, aren't you shrinking your talent pool too? There will, there will be less spots and less players to evaluate. Correct. And when you look at it uh, uh, right now with the amount of money, I was just taking from a Latin American perspective. The Orioles this year signed probably seven to ten guys in which they gave uh, $200,000 or more to out of the Dominican. Well, when you look at it, or I'm just, not just the Dominican, but in Latin America in, in totality, when you look at it, the two best players in the Orioles system uh, that are major leaguers now that were Latin American ball players that I broadcast were Jonathan Skunk out of Curacao, and I think he signed for 25 grand, something like that. And then Eduardo Rodriguez, who definitely signed for less. You, you, you there, Adam? Players, not just more everybody. And, you know, it's hard to know, but really, 
who, when you're saying 16 year olds, you're not going to hit on every 16 year old's going to be the best 25 year old. That's what you're trying to figure out here. Uh, and of course, a lot of people are talking about the Astros because they are leading this charge of doing this. And they signed Jose Altuve for $15,000. And uh, Jose Altuve, under this new plan, in my estimation, would probably never have gotten to play even minor league baseball. Right. And, and this is being presented like a threat, like we're going to fold you. Uh, not, like like your old boss, that Dave Zidell, told me this week, Like typically right. te- teams are given a period of time where they're allowed to make the improvements that Major League Baseball wants to see. Like, we, we, you need to upgrade your facilities. You have this X amount of years or X amount of months, weeks, whatever, to, to make the improvements. Like, this is just being made as, a, like, a stone-cold threat. Like, you're gone. You're, 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 you're gone as opposed to allowing the teams saying, these are our concerns. Uh, can you address these concerns? There's no doubt about it. And it's not only that, but another angle of this is that uh, even though Major League Baseball teams are starting to buy minor league teams more often uh, in the Carolina League that Frederick is in, Salem uh, is owned by the Red Sox and such, um, still you, you're having uh, independent owners owning these franchises. And when Major League Baseball tells you even that Fresno, which is a AAA franchise probably valued at between 20 and $30 million, right? When they say, oh, well, they're now going to be a single-A franchise, that, I, they don't lose their team, but that drops their valuation uh, to probably, you know, $7, 8000000 million. So if you're an owner, a lot of what you have, because, you know, minor league baseball is a thing where a lot of the value you have is tied into the value of the team. You know, when you're shrinking more by more than double the value of an organization, uh, that's drastic. And and you can't tell me that that guy's not going to sue Major League Baseball. You know, in in our league, Erie, uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, just got a $15 million upgrade to their stadium over a three-year plan. Uh, We in U2 of that three-year plan. Uh, and then Binghamton, New York, has made major upgrades, and they have owners that are owners that only own that team. So you're literally just taking that away from them. I mean, they spent a lot of money for that team. So it, it's it's going to be very very interesting uh, to see how this plays out. But uh, it, it's not going to be easy to just take these 42 franchises away. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that and that's the point I want to raise. And before I we get we get into a little mountain hoops here, uh, Adam, uh, just what are the odds that one team is folded at the behest of Major League Baseball? I mean, I I don't think baseball realizes the angst and the consternation that they're going to cause by 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 taking this step. Again, we need to emphasize this is just a proposal. Uh, but the, the the minor league people are never going to go along with it to begin with. We should first establish too that that, that the agreement that governs the you know, 160 the 160 affiliated teams in minor league mm-hmm. baseball expires in September at, at the end of at the end of uh, next season. So a new agreement has Correct. to be reached. So first of all, the likelihood that the 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 minor league people would sign on to this are, is next to none. And two, just the legal fights and all the things that you just brought up that that adds a whole another layer to it. Just what are the odds that one team is folded in your mind at the behest of Major League Baseball? That's a really Really good question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I have just always felt that like uh, a league like the Appalachian League and rookie advanced baseball is in trouble 
They are looking, though, it's only 20 pounds and not 40. Uh, I've seen actually both 20 and 25 in different articles. Uh, we're losing you, Adam. Can you hear me? You know, uh, they're going to push for it hard. It's going to be very, very interesting to see. And uh, this is all going to be taking place here at the winter meetings in San Diego uh, here in the first week of December, just a few weeks away. So I, I don't even know where to go as far as a percentage. Uh, but um, uh, but I, I'm, I'm extremely hopeful uh, that it does not Right, right. And, and Keys fans sh- shouldn't panic. I mean, this is, again, let's emphasize this is just a proposal. Nothing is concrete. Nothing is in writing yet. Nothing has been agreed upon. So there's no reason for Keys fans to panic and, 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 and for people to start to worry that the Keys will no longer be in Frederick. But um, it, it's just hard to see how how this is going to happen because there's so many hurdles to, to, to clear. And it just doesn't seem like a well thought out proposal uh, to begin with. So. Uh, uh, real quick, Adam. And you know what? Look, g- looking go at ahead. the keys. Go ahead. Looking at the keys on the field here for a second in 2020, Greg. I mean, you're looking at uh, two players for Frederick that that uh, are going to be two of probably the top 20 prospects in the history of the franchise. Yeah, Adley Adley Rutschman. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, and then Grayson Rodriguez, uh, the Orioles' uh, top-ranked pitching prospect. Uh, who really the Orioles are hoping, along with D.L. Hall, who was in Frederick this year, are the two guys at the front of their future rotation uh, that takes them, you know, to being a contender again in the years to come. I mean, these guys are going to be in Frederick. So it is really an exciting season ahead, and you just hope that once the season starts, we don't have this. Yeah, ho- ho- hopefully it's not hanging kind over people's heads. Yeah. You know? Right, exactly. And, and and the mayor of Frederick, uh, Michael uh, o- O'Connor, said that Major League Baseball should be looking at a place like Frederick and, and saying, how could we model this throughout the country? Because the, the Keys are such a successful franchise and so embedded with all the community work they do. I mean, they're a valuable part of this community. And the, and the mayor's point was Major League Baseball should be looking at the Keys as an example for how a minor <laughs> league team would run, should, I love it. should run. And I, I, know, and I and, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. I just think that uh, uh, General Manager Dave Zidellis and his staff just do do such a great job. And uh, and obviously, Frederick is a very special place in my heart, but the keys are what minor league baseball is all about. Yeah. All right, uh, let's shift over to college basketball. The season has just started. Uh, you, you and I both uh, cover Mount St. Mary's. Uh, you, you do you broadcast yep. most, most of the games. Uh, what, what do we make of the Mounts' uh, one and four start so far? I mean, pretty good showings at Georgetown and Washington. Uh, things I know didn't work out against Lamar and UAB, and of course they beat uh, their Division three opponent at home, Gettysburg. But but what, what's, your, what's your take on the one and four Mountaineers so far? You know, I think uh, Mount St. Mary's, uh, it's exciting. You know, last year was definitely a complete rebuild season. The Mount got hit hard uh, both two and three years ago with the up transfer, with, with players uh, that led them out to major heights uh, going to the 2017 NCAA tournament. But you had three of your five starters end up transferring uh, uh, upwards after that year. And then uh, had an outstanding freshman class in 2018. We lost some great players from there. Um, you you, you kind of think about it and think, golly, the 2018 team could have been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, they, they probably would have been the greatest, the best team in the D1 era of Mount basketball. Yeah, if, so, uh, Elijah Long, Miles Wilson, the, those kids stay, yeah. 
Exactly. So now you, you're kind of in a reboot, but the reality is uh, that uh, Mount St. Mary's has a lot of experience. And, and, and I just think that Dan Engelstad, he is the second-year coach of the Mount. He's got Mount ties going well back as an assistant on their 2008 NCAA tournament team. And uh, he's one heck of a coach, and he's got an outstanding staff. And what they've been able to do is go from a team that had almost no experience in continuity to the exact opposite. The majority of team of the team with them out this year, when you see them on the floor, are going to be sophomores and juniors. Um, obviously, uh, what Dan told me uh, in the offseason was, I mean, it just feels completely different this year. The guys – know what this is all about. They've played together for a year, and now we're able to go at this thing again. And last year it was under the radar because, you know, they were so far behind that, you know, they went four and three in their last seven games, and three of those four wins were on the road. So Mount St. Mary's was thought of as a middle-of-the-pack team in the NEC this year. The way that some of the pundits kind of looked at it uh, was a league in three teams, you know, 11 teams in the league that were – preseason seventh, but really they had the Mount kind of in a tier of teams between fifth and eighth, uh, you know, where they could kind of fall anywhere in that, in, in that spot. And, and what I noticed was that when the Mount was going to be really good in these early. Looks like we lost Adam here, but uh, uh, we appreciate Adam's uh, perspective on, uh, obviously, uh, he's worked in minor league uh, baseball for a long time. And, and I thought the point that he made about major league baseball, trying to control players' salaries, uh, was a really good one. And, uh, it's just, a, just a tough connection with Adam's phone there. And, and, and we apologize for all the little, uh, little gaps in, in, in the audio there, but, but, uh, my thanks to Adam uh, for coming on the podcast this week. And my thanks to, uh, Graham Cullen uh, for, uh, for producing, uh, and we will be back next week with another episode as we get set for Thanksgiving week. Thanks for listening, everyone, to the Final Score Podcast.